Hey folks, it's Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com here on the Cannon Fodder Podcast. It is uh, Tuesday, catching up on the Bucks Monday night game against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. That's a 24-21 loss for the Bucks. Uh, probably a little closer than most expected. Um, Bucks dealt with a ridiculous amount of injuries. We'll try and get through those uh, in just a minute here, but... Uh, it's a lot of different things to get to here in the last 24 hours. Uh, just to give you the basic recap there, uh, Bucks fall 24-21. Uh, we're down 10 in the fourth quarter. Got a touchdown late to Adam Humphreys. Got the ball back uh, with a minute left. Uh, went down, got three passes to kind of set up a long field goal that would have tied the game. Uh, got to the 36-yard line, had a 54-yard field goal from uh, Pat Murray. Uh, they went wide right, and the Bucks lose. Um, and, and a little bit of, of craziness on the last play in that they, they throw an 11-yard pass to Cam Brate. Falcons guys are kind of laying on him as a stall tactic because the Bucks were out of timeout. So they they're kind of need to get to the line and spike it as soon as they can. And then they had the ridiculous luck to have the official fall down uh, next to the ball. And, and that probably cost them, I don't know, two or three seconds uh, in that happening. Bucks probably would have had about nine seconds if everything had gone normally. Um, and nine seconds, honestly, uh, even with that timeout, Coach Cutter had said he would probably have tried for a play. Uh, all you'd try and do at that point with nine seconds left is a quick out to one sideline or the other. Um, try and get, I don't know, five, seven yards. Uh, the line they had for field goals for the night was the 35-yard line, um, and they fell just short of that. Uh, and again, missed the kick. That's a tough kick for Pat Murray. Um, it's disappointing he missed it, obviously. He was uh, taking it pretty hard after the game. But, again, it's it's a long kick uh, under difficult circumstances where you're getting rushed onto the field uh, with a lot on the line. So, uh, Bucks lose 24-21. You know, uh, we're down early, gave up some points early, and the defense kind of stiffened. Uh, Jameis Winston, uh, I'll start by going through Jameis Winston's night. Um, maybe his best game is a buck. Um, certainly his most accurate. He finished 27 of 35 for 299. That's his highest completion percentage, about 77%. Uh, that's his highest completion percentage of his career. Um, three touchdowns uh, to Howard, to Mike Evans, to Adam Humphreys. That's uh, highest quarterback rating, second highest quarterback rating he's had in his career. Uh, missed the best by like one point. It's as simple as if... Uh, the Bucks had a spike on the last drive, and had the Bucks, uh, if you count the spike as a team pass and not an incompletion for Winston, on that tweak alone, it becomes his highest rated game ever. So, big game for Winston. Um, he's looking like someone who is fully recovered, playing healthy, moving the ball down the field. Uh, the big news of the night going in was a change at running back. Uh, we had kind of thought things might shift a little bit towards. Peyton Barber and away from Doug Martin, but I think most people had expected Dirk Cutter to kind of continue the loyalty he's had and have them split the role early on, kind of see who the hot hand was. Uh, but 90 minutes before the game, we find out that Doug Martin is inactive, um, was inactive uh, for violating a team rule. Uh, the Bucks aren't saying what that is, which kind of leaves open the curiosity that it could be something like last year when he was inactive for the Saints in Week 16. And then wound up getting suspended uh, the next week and had a four-game suspension. I don't know that that's the case here. This could be as simple as breaking curfew or missing a meeting or something like that. Uh, but Doug was inactive and on the sidelines. 
Uh, Peyton Barber got the start. Peyton Barber did not have a bad game in terms of yards. Uh, ended up with, uh, finished with right around four yards of carry. He had 13 carries for 53 yards. Biggest play of the game probably from a negative standpoint for the Bucks, is that Peyton Barber fumbled at the five-yard line. They're at the nine-yard line, certainly in field goal range and trying to punch in, uh, I think, what would have been a tying touchdown at that point and uh, lost a fumble at the five-yard line, which is just points coming off the board. Uh, and that that probably trumps anything else he did. Second week in a row, Bucks running backs with a costly fumble in a short game, uh, tight game, I should say. So Peyton Barber steps in. Uh, we don't know what this means for Doug Martin moving forward. He's now missed two of the last three games, one by concussion, one by, uh, you don't want to say suspension, but inactivity as a result of a violation of team rules. So probably Peyton Barber's in the driver's seat in terms of having a bigger role over the last two games. But uh is probably the biggest thing to come out of this game. Uh, Bucks, you know, in most games, Bucks will announce, I don't know, two or three injuries to the press box, and they'll say we have an injury update. Uh, Bucks announced that Greg Allman has a brain injury. Uh, his return is doubtful, or his return is questionable. Uh, usually two or three in a game. And there were 10 yesterday. Uh, some guys, multiple injuries. Uh, Dirk Cutter said he thought Ryan Smith got hurt five times during the game. Uh, had like a knee, calf type issue early on. Got evaluated for a concussion later. Uh, end of the game, three guys in the locker room with their foot in a boot and on crutches. Um, not all on crutches, I'm sorry. J.R. Sweezy, who had to leave the game with an ankle, was in the boot on crutches. Deshaun Jackson, who had to leave the game in a boot on crutches. And O.J. Howard injured his ankle on a 30-yard touchdown catch from Jameis Winston. Uh, he was walking in a boot, no crutches. So all three of those uncertain. Uh, biggest injury of the night, Adarius Glanton. Uh, who was only starting because Levante David was out with a hamstring. Injuries upon injuries here. Uh, Glanton had a nasty injury. Collided with, with Robert Ayers trying to get to Matt Ryan. Uh, had a fairly visible break to his lower leg. Uh, got put in an air cast. Got carted off the field. Had surgery this morning. He'll go on IR. Bucks have actually already made a roster move this morning. Uh, Nigel Harris, who's the linebacker local kid from Hillsborough High School from USF. Had been with the Chargers. Had been with the Giants was added to the practice squad last week. He now gets called up. He'll be on the uh, 53-man roster on Sunday when they go to uh, Carolina up there. So a roster move already made. Could very well have others. Uh, there's only two weeks left in the season, so any kind of lingering injury, they're going to put the guy on IR. He gets paid the same. He's still on the roster. Nothing changes that way. But it opens up a spot on the 53-man roster where they can sign uh, either a promotion from the practice squad, the Bucks, in case of Sweezy, um, Bucks already, again, are without Marpet or out Dotson. They lose Sweezy. They have to bring in Joe Hawley at center and shift Evan Smith to guard. Um, and and so without, without that, they now have very little depth. I mean, the only guys on the bench right now would be Leonard Wester and, uh, and Mike Lidke. So they only have seven. And if one of those is injured, they'll want to have another one they have available. So could very well see one of the practice squad tackles get called up. Uh, the two guys they have are Givens Price, who's been there a couple weeks, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Brad Seaton, big, huge, Dotson-looking guy, 6'8", 320 guy from Villanova. So could see roster moves there. Uh, Bobo Wilson was inactive this week, but if Deshaun Jackson can't go, it probably just means that Bobo is active as a, as a fifth receiver there that way. So uh, lots of injuries to be checking on. 
the one we don't really know about is Justin Evans, who left with an ankle injury. I did not see him in the locker room afterwards. That could also be a significant injury. So two of the top rookies in Howard and in Justin Evans dealing with ankle injuries now. Um, O.J. Howard did have that touchdown. It ties him for the NFL lead among all rookies with six touchdowns. Uh, he and Evan Ingram from the Giants have six to lead all rookies that way. It's also a Bucks rookie record for a tight end to have six touchdowns in a season. Now leads the team with six touchdowns as well. Um, and then a bunch of other injuries. T.J. Ward got checked for a concussion. He was fine. Cam Brate had a knee injury, came back and played, but looked pretty beat up at the end of the game there as well. Uh, Robert Ayers got a stinger on the play in which he collided with Adarius Glanton. Uh, he came back, I think, at the end. You also saw Devontae Bond leave with a stinger. Riley Bulla actually came onto the field for two plays on defense. So 10 guys, by the time you get to the end of the game, 10 guys announced his injuries. Four left the game and didn't come back. Um, Justin Evans is probably the biggest question mark on that. So lots going on there that could make them even more shorthanded. They go to Carolina on Sunday. The Panthers can clinch a playoff berth with a win. Uh, so a lot of incentive for them to play well on their home field on Christmas Eve. Panthers will be without Thomas Davis, uh, who right now is facing a two-game suspension for his hit on Sunday. Um, that's under appeal. I can't imagine it gets completely reduced to nothing on appeal. It could get reduced to one game, but the Bucks would still be that one game. So in the least, uh, the Bucks facing a Carolina team that's without one of their better defensive players uh, and leaders in Thomas Davis. Uh, other storylines we want to get to from the game itself. Uh, run game, you know, we had talked going in a lot about Julio Jones trying to contain Julio Jones after he went for 253 yards three weeks ago in the Bucks uh, game in Atlanta. Bucks did a much better job. Uh, they didn't really want to share exactly what they did differently. I think it was just better communication uh, with the handoffs within the zone coverage in terms of who handled him coming out. So Julio Jones only had three catches for 54 yards. Very much shut down compared to the last game. Uh, eight targets, only three catches, 54 yards. The problem was, as we thought, is that in, in dealing with Julio and in dealing with all these injuries, Falcons were able to run the ball very well. Uh, ran the ball for more than 200 yards. Devontae Freeman had 126. Uh, the biggest of those definitely was a 32-yard touchdown run with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Had been a three-point game. Uh, Devontae Freeman kind of got ahead of steam, got in the open field. Uh, made Keith Tandy look bad in the open field and broke in for a touchdown. So uh, that put him up 10. Bucks would get back. Again, got a touchdown, had a field goal to tie. But uh, Devontae Freeman goes for 126. Uh, Teron Ward had a good game. Matt Ryan had a couple nice runs. Anytime you give up 200 yards rushing, it's going to be hard to win. Uh, so the Bucks kind of did well just to be within three points once you established that they gave up 200 rushing yards and another 200 in the air. So uh, the other thing, and, and we talked about this going in, Fairly uneventful, um, but John Gruden was brought into the Ring of Honor, had a nice ceremony at midfield there uh, at halftime, literally came down from the broadcast booth where he's calling the game for ESPN and, and spoke on the podium there. Very nice. Um, thanked his assistants from the from his Buck squad, especially from his Super Bowl year. Uh, thanked a bunch of players by name. Lots of players there. Sapp was there. Brooks was there. Simeon Rice was there. Rondé Barber was there. Mike Allstott was there. Brad Johnson was there. Uh, a ton of players that came back to see him. Um, did not hear a lot in terms of chanting or anything like that. It wasn't nearly uh, maybe the distraction that people had feared in terms of Gruden versus Cutter or anything like that. Just a nice moment. He was genuinely uh, 
appreciative and thankful not only to his players and his assistants, but to the Glazer family, uh, to Malcolm Glazer, who preceded him in the Ring of Honor and passed away, obviously, uh, said that he loved Malcolm and missed Malcolm. And then thank the fans. He said hundreds and thousands of Bucks fans out there that he thanked them. Um, you know, has good memories here. I don't know that that necessarily means anything moving forward, but certainly has fond memories, especially of that Super Bowl squad uh, 2002, 15 years ago, winning the only championship the Bucks have. So that, that's kind of where things stand for the game. Um, we'll have injury updates as things go on. Just as they had an extra day last week getting ready for this game, the Bucks now have a short week. Um, today is kind of the no, – normally Monday is kind of a recovery day look back on tape, put the game to rest, and then Tuesday is a day off, and those kind of get combined today. And then they get to Wednesday, and it's very much a normal week in an accelerated time frame. So they'll have full practices Wednesday, Thursday, uh, walk through Friday, travel on Saturday, play Carolina on Sunday. So uh, we don't have access to players today. We get Cutter at 4.30. Um, certainly could get some injury updates beyond what we already know. Uh, but that's kind of where things stand with that in terms of the aftermath. Bucks are 4-10. and ten. They've dropped 9 of their last 11. Um, we definitely can start talking about draft position here. Uh, Bucks would be number 7 in the draft right now um, with the potential to move up a bit. Uh, the first three uh, have worse records. So right now, Browns picking number 1, Giants 2, Colts 3. And then there's a logjam of four teams who are all 4-10. and ten. Um, the NFL is kind of strange in that the tiebreaker for draft position, there's only one tiebreaker, and it's strength of schedule. And it's actually kind of counterintuitive in that if you have a better strength of schedule, you pick later. I think the logic is that they want you to do worse by record and do it against worse teams, basically. You'd think you want to reward the team that played a tougher schedule by giving them a better pick. You don't. You reward the team that played the easier schedule and still managed to lose. So... Of those four teams right now, the Bucks have the best strength of schedule, and so they pick last. They pick seventh. Uh, but Houston, San Francisco, and Chicago are all right in front of them. So there's definitely the possibility if, if the Bucks continue to lose. We don't want to presume that. But if the Bucks lose out, they could easily move up from seven. Uh, Chicago plays the Browns this week. That seems like a win. Uh, and if the Bears won that game and the Bucks lose, then the Bucks slide up to six. Uh, Houston finishes the season against the Colts, uh, and it's on the road, but the Colts are 3-11. and If Houston wins that game and the Bucks lose out, the Bucks would move up to five, potentially, if, if the Bears and the Texans win. It's unlikely that the Niners are going to win any of their last two games. They, they've done well since they got Garoppolo in there, but they're facing the Jaguars and the Rams, who are both battling for playoff position, uh, playoff teams, and, and that would be tough. So, I would be surprised if the Bucks can jump ahead of the Niners. In theory, they could jump ahead of the Colts, who are 3-11 and 11 and could win their last two. But again, it, it's unlikely it's going to happen. So chances are the Bucks are picking between 5 and 7. If they were to win, they could fall down to, I don't know, 10. Uh, I know most Bucks fans are pulling against that. They'd rather have losses in draft position right now than wins. But uh, Bucks are still trying to win games. So we'll see about that. There's three teams that are 5-9. and nine. So in theory, the Bucks by winning a game, would drop no more than three spots in the draft with a single win. So we'll get to that. There's lots of tiebreakers and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, still four months before the draft, so I don't really want to get into who they might take, who the best matches are at seven, who might be there. we got lots of time to get to that uh, between now and late April. So anyway, uh, that's kind of recapping things that should do it for our Tuesday podcast. 
Uh, again, there's access every day this week, so there should be news every day. We should have lots to talk about in the podcast. Uh, putting this game with the Falcons to bed, going over the injuries, getting ready for Carolina. Uh, Christmas week here, coming up here. But uh, that'll do it for now. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, wrapping up a 24-21 loss for the Bucks to drop them to 4-10. and Keeps Atlanta alive. Uh, all three teams besides the Bucks in the NFC South um, control their destiny moving forward. Uh, if the Panthers or Saints win a single game, they're in. And if the Falcons win both of their games, they would be in. So potentially you could have all three NFC South rivals for the Bucks in the postseason. Uh, anyway, that'll do it. Thanks again for listening, folks, for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. This is Greg Allman. Thanks for listening to the Cannon Fodder Podcast.